0: Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name's Matt Southguman. Uh, before we get started, I just want to inform you that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Head over there and just search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast and you should find us. And then you can take us wherever you want and listen to us, so uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Delighted to say that I'm joined by Simon Thomas today on the podcast. Um, Size Wales versus England week, there's always lots to talk about and it's always a little bit uh, spicy. It's
1: just, uh, where's our little friend? Where's Andy? I I hear that he's been uh, down at Pennyhill Park in Bagshot with Mr. Jones, the the lovely Eddie Jones. I'm sure those two got on very well. He's undercover. Undercover in uh, Pennyhill. Yeah, so it's just us two. Yeah, and um, the teams are out. Yeah, And uh, it's really, really interesting because I sat down after the press conference, um, the Wales press conference, and talked to a few of the other journalists down there and it's really, really hard to call this one. Mm,
0: it is. But on form, I guess, England have won so many on the bounce. 15. Cetera, 15, 15 on the games bounce. on the bounce. It's difficult not to make them favourites, isn't it?
1: I think they would be slight favourites of the bookies. Um, I suppose the one thing you would say is if you look at the, the run they had, particularly the Grand Slam, quite a few key players from the Grand Slam and from their autumn exploits are missing. In particular, for me, the, the Vunapola brothers. I mm. thought Mako was the outstanding Lucid in world rugby in the autumn. Brilliant. And Billy Vunapola is so important to their game. If you look at the way England play... Really, we talk a lot about the breakdown, don't we? And Wales could make make hay at the breakdown. England not really bother with the breakdown in terms no. of competing for the ball. They just smash people out of the way at the breakdown. They rely so much on their kind of blustering carriers keeping them go forward. Now, without the Vunipola's, in particular Billy the number eight. Mm. They do, they do seem a little bit short of carrying. And with Haskell, James Haskell, who had a very fine Six Nations last year during the Grand Slam, probably not fully fit after his toe problem. They do lack a bit of that. So that, it's interesting they've brought Jack Clifford in. I, I'm, our listeners might not have seen too much of uh, Jack Clifford, but as Alan Wynne-Jones said in the press comments today, um, I, I guess re- referring to Adam Jones, he said one of my friends tells me he's a very good player. And that's mm. good enough. And I think he's a real athlete, Clifford.
0: Scored a course against Wales in the summer. He he did.
1: Now, he played in May in that end-of-season game at number 8, which I think is probably more of his position. He's very much a carrier, Um, not really an over-the-ball jackal um, in in the nature of Warburton or David Pocock. But I guess what they're thinking is, well, the carrying game is what's worked for us in the past. We need some more carrying. In comes Clifford, can he make a huge difference? It's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. I mean you mentioned that that they just sort of try and rely on their ball carriers to keep taking them forward. And yes. we saw in the autumn how when Australia got that going against Wales, Wales didn't have an answer at the breakdown. They simply couldn't slow no. the ball down because they were constantly in retreat. So I guess that's that's one of the things that Eddie Jones must be targeting looking at the back row, because like you said, is I mean, Maro Itoje can be a nuisance in the, at the breakdown, but I wouldn't say. And Dan Cole, when he gets over the ball, is a bit like Gethin Jenkins in the sense that you can't quite move him. Um, but other than that, you've not got too many uh, problems from a breakdown perspective in there.
1: No, they've got what they've gone for, really, is three dynamic ball carriers in that back row, mm. haven't they? And you've also got uh, Launchbury will make hard yards. So there's lots of carrying there. You got that Australia game, I it was a pivotal one in understanding where Wales lie as a team. Sean Edwards often talks about creating four second rucks in defence. The idea is that you slow the opposition ball down for that length of time. Now, against Australia, in the absence of Sam Warburton and Alan Win Jones, missing their physicality in the contact area. It was hard for Wales to do that. And even when they were making tackles, they were quite often losing the gain line in that tackle Mm -hmm. and moving backwards. Uh, That's the key issue. Uh, England will want to replicate what Australia did, send them curdling back over the gain line. A, a key man to that will be Warburton and he did it so effectively um, against Argentina in the autumn and also against Italy recently I would imagine wouldn't you Matt that Mr Jones might have a plan for Warburton and negating his influence I think he might have to see what it'll be what it'll be maybe running at him very hard and very often I don't <laughs> know um, but that that would be absolutely if you look at the way England play and what Wales look to do in defence that ability to stop England on the game line and to slow down their ball and, even better, pilfer their ball or win penalties off them, that, to me, is where the game is won and lost. Oh,
0: absolutely. I think that the back row is, is definitely where I see. If Wales's back row doesn't have the influence that it, that it should in this game, I don't see Wales winning the match at all. Um, I think, like you said, so much will rely on Wales being able to slow down England because one thing's for sure, England are not going to want to come here and get involved in anything longer than four seconds. No, as we've mentioned. You,
1: you look at it. England's success has been based on quick ball for Youngs, and then the two playmakers to sort of pull the strings. Yeah. Against France, against a juggernaut French pack, they they weren't going forward with the scrum. They weren't crossing the game line effectively. They were being slowed down and sto- had ball stolen off them at the breakdown. Suddenly. Suddenly, this great Grand Slam unbeaten team looked pretty ordinary. Yeah, but can Wales do it to them? Exactly. This is the big question. That's a
0: big question. You mentioned one of the changes England have made already. Um, the other, Jack Jack Noel, comes in on the wing. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that only improves their back three.
1: Yeah, I like him. He. I, mean, I think it's interesting. He, he didn't start last week, and part of the reason for that, I think, was that he was missing from training for a couple of days in the yeah. builder for personal reasons. But what's intriguing is that he's come in and the one to miss out is Johnny May. Mm. And they've kept Elliot Daly, who's really not a specialist wing. He, 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 you know, a very fine accomplished rugby player, but he, he plays 13 ma- mainly for Wasps. And you wonder whether the fact that he's got that p- polished all-around game, and also a left-booted option in defence and also a huge, yeah. <laughs> huge yeah. raking uh, long-range uh, goal kicker as well. But what they have let go there is, is the sheer speed of Johnny May. Mm. So I'd certainly, you know, Noel coming in and makes absolute sense. He's a nuggety individual, pops up everywhere, runs hard into everything, knows his way to the try line Strange haircut, we were letting him <laughs> have that. But Daly on the other wing, is that a possible vulnerability? Just in the sense that he doesn't play there very often? Yeah, possibly.
0: possibly. He's played there for England a few times. I remember, remember he got a, that red card early on in the autumn, right. I think it was. No, um, nice player. Yeah, yeah. I agree, though. I mean, he, he usually deployed elsewhere for his club, and I'm not always sure that's a good tactic. But, you know, Eddie Jones obviously sees something in him being there. Um, one change we haven't seen is James Haskell coming into the starting lineup, which was a bit of a surprise to us in the office this morning because he tends to have good games against Wales and he had along with the, other, the rest of the bench, had a very good impact against France. Yeah, it was more. telling,
1: listening to Sean Edwards this week, talk about Haskell, who obviously he coached during his time at Wasps, and he you know, a huge admiration for the guy. And he said, I think it was a couple of years ago, he saw Haskell's name on the team sheet, and it wasn't the best moment of his week, because he, know, he knew what Haskell could do, and he did do it. And in a, If you look back to the um, Six Nations last year, people were questioning whether Haskell could possibly do a job at seven. Really, he's played most of his rugby for England at six or eight, as a big physical guy. You know, people saying he's, he won't be any use to them, he's not any good over the breakdown. As I said, they don't have breakdowns, no, they, just, no. they just smash you out of the way. Yeah. And Haskell had a big, big um, campaign. Now he has had this toe problem, as, as I said, and speaking to a few of the national journalists who have been covering Wales this week, they, they say the, the kind of feeling is he's not quite ready yet to start, but he made a big impact off the bench against France, but he played a significant role in turning it, that final 20 in England's fashion and getting them over the line. And I'm sure that he will be straining at the leash to have a go at Wales in a similar fashion.
0: Mm. On that, right, there seems to be this narrative has developed this week. I'm saying all about England's bench and they're being labelled finishers, I've seen in some quarters. But should should Wales really be overly concerned about this bench? Because when you compare the two, I mean, Wales, for example, have got two British Lions on their bench. I don't see any British Lions... On the
1: England bench. It's often the case, though, isn't it? If you look at the bench, it's the younger ones who are really sort of coming through who I think could make an impact. Not the big, big names. I think Jamie George and Sinclair as well. Mm. I think those are two real sort of, you know, full of beans individuals who could make an impact. I mean, Jamie George... You know, if Dylan Hartley wasn't captaining at the moment, there might be a question. Because Hartley hasn't played a lot. Every time I see George play for Saracens or when he comes on for England, he always makes an impact. And Sinclair's just a big brute of a man, yeah. as we know, is uh, being brought on in the game by Adam Jones at Harlequins. Speaks very highly of him, does Adam? Yeah, and I, th- I think if you look at the other replacements, Danny Care. Now Kerr had a big impact when he came on against France. Um, he's always a sparky, snipey individual, and he got a bit of pace into the England game, which is what they'd been lacking. I think he was helped perhaps by some of the, you know, the likes of Haskell coming on at the same time. And he, he it's interesting now on Kerr and Youngs. They've kind of gone up and down in the balance mm. of power over the last two or three years. One love a spell, and then Youngs had a good autumn. But I think Kerr's putting the pressure on again. Uh, the other one then is, we haven't mentioned is Ben Tao. Yeah, Now, he's an interesting character. Born in New- <laughs> born in New Zealand, then moved to Australia, played rugby league, came over to play for Ireland against Leinster. There's a picture of him wearing an Ireland shirt during that time, and now he's playing for England. Um, but what he does offer, what he does offer, is a very direct route in mm. the centre. And we saw he picked a good line for the try that got England out of jail against France. And he's someone, another one who could make an impact with the bench. Yeah, so it's an interesting bench, a good bench. But I think, as you'll we'll come to touch on later, there's impact waiting in the wings on the Welsh bench too.
0: There is indeed. I mean, let's move on to Wales then. Uh, the two changes to the starting lineup, uh, both props, something perhaps that we saw coming after the, uh, the difference they made in Rome.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to listening to Rob Holy talk in particular about Thomas Francis. What he said though was he felt he had a big autumn. If you remember, he kind of ended up the autumn as Wales's first choice tighthead. Mm. But then come the opening game against Italy, he was on the bench with Samson Lee starting. Now, what Howley said was, in the build-up to that Italy game, because he plays for Exeter, he had to go back to his club side during the kind of training camp, which they put a lot of store on, whereas Samson Lee was there the whole time. And that does seem to have influenced the selection. Horses for courses, availability, so Samson starts... And if you look at that first half, uh, Wales weren't dominant in the scrum. Obviously, they had the one in particular scrum where they were driven off the ball and that led to the position which which Italy ultimately scored from. Mm. Uh, And it is undoubted that Rob Evans and Thomas Francis, when they came on, did have an impact in the scrum suddenly it was a real weapon for us and if you look at the pivotal period of the game around the hour mark it all stemmed from that attacking scrum where Thomas Francis put the power on Zotti I think the um, the Italian Lucid the the couldn't cope with the power coming through his knee went on the ground it was a series of scrum offenses off he went we scored two tries Wales scored two tries when he was off the field Mm. so the, the scrum was a big weapon now they're in from the start this time I think it was always going to be a close call between Rob Evans and Nicky Smith anyway Um, Nicky did well in the autumn and probably maybe deserved that opportunity to start didn't do a lot wrong did not really Uh, you know carried well in that first half but Rob Evans had been playing so well for the Scarlet excellently in their um, European campaign and as he's continued that form when he came off the bench he probably deserves a start as does Thomas Francis Mm. not a huge amount to choose from them but purely on what happened last weekend it, it probably is the right call yeah
0: when I was out in Rome last weekend, I, I saw North get get his knock uh, quite early on when he chased after that cross kick. Um, around the hour mark and onwards, it was clear that he was in some trouble, um, carrying a serious knock, limping quite heavily. And then, obviously, Sam Davis put him away down the near side. And got to give North credit; he finished that off. And he must have been well. He showed afterwards that he was in some pain with his with his thigh after scoring that. Um, I was absolutely stunned to see him on the team sheet When they announced it today Um, But I've seen quotes from Rob Howley You were at the press conference Um, Dan Bigger also went off at half time in Rome With a rib injury And his his sort of participation In this England game was in doubt as well But he's on the starting team sheet At fly half There are quotes from Rob Howley that says They'll have until Saturday morning to prove their fitness
1: Maybe Saturday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as they need. It's funny you talked about that try. He was like he was running in treacle the last 20 minutes. Yeah, wasn't well, it? Because even, yeah. with that, you know, he was running on one leg, effectively. Well, you,
0: see, you see the pictures of him grimacing, just walking around the field. And you just think, how on earth is he in the starting team? But, uh, yeah, you, know, I, I, we I, don't, you know, the medics know, these days are wizards, aren't people they? People so? say, oh, he's got a bruise.
1: Well, it's a bit more than a bruise, <laughs> isn't it? It's a hematoma. It's a different yeah. kind of bruise. I'm talking to a couple of the Welsh boys about something similar. You know, it can get, take two or three weeks to get the full mobility back in it. Yeah. So, as, I, as you were, I was surprised to see him named in the side. The, the word had been that he was the one struggling perhaps more than Dan Bigot, who will come on to in a minute. Mm. And if, well, I'll tell you what, if he does manage to come through and make it, it'll be an amazing achievement. I still wonder whether come... Is it 450 on Saturday, oh, yeah. the number 14 jersey will be filled by someone else. Yeah. It's telling to me that the other three wings in the squad, Alex Cuthbert, Steph Evans, and Ashton Hewitt, are three of the five players who have been retained in camp. Yeah. Um, so you would imagine that they are very much on standby. Which one it would be, I think realistically, it's going to be <sighs>
0: Cuthbert, isn't
1: it? It'll probably be Cuthbert. Steph Evans is an excellent season. Yeah. But if you look at Rob Howley, what he talked about he's talked all through the campaign so far experience, experience is yeah. the word he's used perhaps more than any other I think he'd be sort of reluctant to throw Steph Evans uncapped Cap Winger into in his first game so you'd think Alex Cuthbert would come in might not happen we might see George North out there Yeah. but as I say we will have to wait until Saturday
0: yeah and the same goes for Dan Bigger as you've already mentioned um, there were lots of calls for Sam Davis to start this game anyway um, but again you know choosing experience Howley's gone for Bigger at 10 and um, with his ribs, you know, again, you, you don't quite know the ins and outs of that. Only the players and the and the staff know exactly what's going on there. But, I mean, say say Dan Bigger did pull up, would you have any qualms with Sam Davis starting this game? Well,
1: Rob, I said he wouldn't have any qualms with it. He said, mm. he, you know, it wouldn't be something he'd be worried about doing at all. But again, he just said for a game of this magnitude, they felt that Dan Bigger's experience and, and his kind of know-how... His leadership were important to go for. I mean, I suppose with ribs, it's slightly different to the leg in that you sort of the mobility and running around the field and the kicking ability. Mm. You'll probably be in pain. I don't know what you're, you know, what he can take for that, maybe to get him through the game. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think Dan will probably make it. He'll probably play. Um, He's a tough nut, and bigger. And I think Sam Davis will at some point have a big impact to play on the game. Um, well, the I thing I always think with this, there's debate about it, but how well blessed are we? Yeah, and interestingly, Owen Williams as well. You know, who might come into the equation if Dan, you know, has a kind of a bit of a hiccup or a, a mishap of the next day or so as he's jogging through. Um, he's gone back to Leicester um, to be preparing for their game against Gloucester, his future club. Mm. But uh, there's an arrangement or a contingency plan that's been put in place where Wales have spoken to Aaron Major, the Tigers coach. And if there's a problem with Bigger over the next 24 hours, Owen Williams could come back in. He would then go onto the bench. Sam Davis starting start. at
0: 10 so what, why, why have Wales released Owen Williams then can't, can't they just say it's the international window we've got an injury we've got a, a doubt over one of our players we want to keep Owen Williams sorry Leicester
1: um, yeah it's, it's something that people often ask the, the, the simple answer is when it comes to the home base players Wales can retain them in camp it's up to them and they choose if they wish to release them back to the regions that's okay. the arrangement and the agreement we have. they have between the WRU and the regions right With players who are based outside of Wales, it's different. If they're not selected in the 23 for a match, then they have to be released back to their club if required by the club. Now, last weekend, um, Thomas Young and Owen Williams both travelled out to Italy, I believe, as travelling reserves. But that was a weekend when they were Anglo Welsh Cup games, so weren't really required. And die Young obviously, you know, would have been happy for Thomas to go. They gained the, yeah, game. the yeah. experience, wasn't really required for what is essentially a development competition. This weekend is different. There's a full round of Viviva Premiership matches. Um, if you look at the games um, Wasps have got Exeter away, I believe, on Sunday. And as I say, Leicester have got Gloucester. Important games for them. Yep. They are wanted by their clubs. They'll be involved in those games. Now, I think that's why they've then gone to Leicester and said, look, we may require him. And I, su- I suppose if he was, say, on the Friday we're required in the 23, Wales do have the right to go to him. But I think they've done the right thing in that they've gone through the situation, explained the situation to Leicester, and Leicester are on board. They know that what's going to happen, and they can make contingency plans of their own. Yeah.
0: Um, the other new face in the, in the side is Faletau. From new his face, <laughs> yes, uh, a new face. your old it? face, he's coming in, coming back in. Um, on the bench, I suppose it would have been you know, given that Moriarty's form has been decent of late, and Falta hasn't played a lot of rugby, I think that's probably a sensible
1: decision. It's the one we expected. Um, Rob Howley said, you know, he hasn't played a lot of rugby lately. Not that you would notice it in training, apparently, from the deft touches and the way he's been playing. And if you remember, in the autumn, he came back in after a, a period out for that game against South Africa, came off the bench, looked like he'd never been away, helped set up the try for Tipperick, made a big impact. So again, uh, he's somebody, he just seems to be a naturally fit person. You mm. know? And he, Even though he's had, I think it's December the 21st, so he wouldn't have played for six odd weeks, but he's the kind of guy, even for a game of this magnitude, you'd have no worries about him coming off the bench. No. And he's somebody who could make a real contribution. And It's great to see him back. And if you look at it, how well off are Wales? They've got Warburton, Tipbrick, Moriarty, and Falatto, and they don't have to pick Thomas Young. It shows the strength and depth they've got there. With James King was involved last week as well. He's not dropped out of the situation. Uh, you know we're, we're certainly in a good position with our back row contingent yeah. and a different kind of back row to England. Mm. So with
0: Falatto, then, what, what do you think the plan will be? I know obviously there'll be a lot will be determined by how the game is going and how certain players are playing, but. Is he? The, he's the kind of player who comes second half. You're probably looking for an excuse to get him on the field as soon as possible in that second forty.
1: Well, if you look at his contribution for Wales over the last five years, you know this is pr- practically the first time we've, we've known him of injury problems, mm. and he is consistently at the top of the charts when it comes to the, his, his carrying and his tackling. Also offers a lineout option. Uh, he's a luxury to have to bring off the bench when you do it and who he comes on for and how you rejig your back row really has to be a decision based on how the game is going and where you need where you feel you need this injection and who maybe needs to come off uh I think we'll see him at some point though and hopefully hopefully it'll be there as a finisher to finish off with a win (laughs) love this new phrase the The finisher I liked Sean Edwards this week he's always got a slightly different view of the game of rugby (laughs) and he said uh, he said the way I want to I won't try his impression it doesn't do very well he said maybe now the the thing is you want to finish the game with your best team that's a way of turning it round isn't it so you leave leave some of your stars on the bench
0: (laughs) it certainly is an interesting one um But looking back at Rome then, what are the areas that Wales need to improve on from that performance in order to cause England some problems? A lot has been made about the, the first half out there where I thought we were quite sort of boring in our play, you know, we were just going through the motions and stuff and there wasn't a lot of invention. It's important to note that the weather was dreadful in Rome in that first half but well, I, I think I need to see a bit more invention from Wales to get over the game you, line in this
1: yeah room. we could certainly do without the way the set piece went in the first half we've touched on the scrum we had problems there if you look at the line well, I think we had three successive lineouts on the five metre line a tiny five metre line it's the line out mall is now one of the most effective weapons in world rugby so many tries come from that area and yet we couldn't really get, any, get the momentum no. and the drive going yeah, on Defender as well. now I mean charters has been a big big weapon for Wales In the lineup, more perhaps more defensively with his like telescopic reach. Mm. But I think there would be need to work on the point of attack, didn't see, and there wasn't quite, you know. When you see the way in which some lineup malls just explode into action, there's no stopping them, and it's scored it's at for a mini mall themselves. Yeah, did, you know, yeah. so I think they were they were that was something that they were looking to be working on and making that a more cohesive weapon. Because there's no doubt England would look to get that go if they get the chance. Yeah, uh, and as I say, the scrum as well. Uh, I think it's important probably to note, you know, that the first half. I mean, you could probably explain this to people more than me that the conditions were, tr- were tricky in the first half. There'd been downpour before the yeah, before the game. It was forecast. I mean. The weather in
0: Rome was fine until about an hour, an hour before kick-off. Really, the clouds were coming in, and it was clearly going to rain. Um, but yeah, but now as the teams were going through their warm-ups, all of a sudden their heavens opened, and it absolutely threw it down for the, the rest of the warm-up and the first half. So it would have been tricky, but it would have been tricky for both teams, is something I would always say. Um, however, I do feel that Wales's game plan was tailored to the weather a bit more than Italy's. And you could tell that just by the way they were they were keeping it tight.
1: Well, if you look in that first half, you know, Dan Bigger clearly had gone out with a kind of kicking tactical game, and he kicked well. You know, a mm. few chips and a couple of cross kicks. Um, now, the question is, if Dan Bigger had been on the second half when the conditions were slightly more conducive to moving the ball through the hands, would he have done it as effectively as, as Sam Davis? Did? This is the bit we don't know. Well,
0: exactly, yeah, this is the old debate, isn't it?
1: But he did, I mean, as Sean, just put, I think as Rob Howley pointed out, actually, he, he made two tri-saving tackles in that first half. Dan Bigger put his body on the line, suffered as a result of it. Mm. Um, but the challenge for Dan now is if it, if it is a day where you can move the ball then people will be saying, "Well, Sam Davis showed that he can do that." Now the opportunity you is for him to, to do, it. do it.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, and talking about the weather, uh, this could be a factor on Saturday because we have a roof issue that's been well. It's been resolved now. The roof's open.
1: It's a real roof row. Yeah, I mean, it's an you know, actual, genuine one. Few, few
0: and far between, but they, we've got one today. So Eddie Jones says in the last few weeks that he doesn't care about the roof, but obviously. That's not true. When is a U-turn,
1: not a U-turn? When is Eddie Jones? <laughs> I mean, listen. It clearly
0: does because he's told Wales that he wants it open.
1: It's a funny one because if you look back at what when he was talking, it seems to be all part of that narrative where he was saying, oh, I don't know why England are petrified of words. It's just a ground, you know, mm-hmm. what, nothing to get worried about. They can throw daffodils, playing the whole thing down. And as part of that, oh, I don't care if it's open or closed. Mm-hmm. And I think, in a way, he made a rod for his own back there by saying that. Because while he was trying to use those kind of comments to sort of play down the kind of mystique of the of, of, the, of, the, of the of the stadium, yeah. he actually said something that doesn't tie in with what England want because it's pretty clear, and it's been increasingly clear this week. They actually want the roof open. Yeah, you know, so they've really having him said he doesn't mind whether it's open or, or shut, which then gives Wales the, the, you know the, an understandable you know uh, feeling that they can go ahead and keep it sh- shut which is what they want perfect conditions to play running rugby in this bonus point friendly mm. six nations now all of a sudden there's a change of tack and oh actually we are bothered yeah. you, you know and, uh, Eddie says I don't care well he does care now, doesn't he yeah I mean a
0: lot of, a lot of the fact I know that as soon as this came <laughs> came out earlier about ten to five um a lot of, a lot of journalists uh, our fellow journalists out there were a bit uh, well, saying you know so what the roofs the roof and you know questioning you know what the impact of this is but a lot of the fans uh, seem seem to be taking this quite harshly saying it's our roof we want it shut because it creates a fantastic atmosphere I've seen some people saying that it uh, it's a lot colder when the roof is open but I got a point that, that I really disagree with that I mean it may be one or two degrees uh, colder with the roof open but I'm wearing my ski jacket whether it's shut or open so I don't know about you it's it's not a massive difference with the temperature but I think it's only a factor if it rains and the forecast is for it to be overcast, so I don't know how much of a difference this is going no, to make. No, I probably won't
1: affect the playing conditions too much, but I mean, whatever we think, whatever punters think, I think the views of the players really matter, and Arwin Jones summed it up quite well today, didn't he? Mm. When he was asked, like, how much of a difference does it make if that roof is closed? And there was a lovely phrase where he said, there's no escape, there's no escape. I mean, not that you'd look to climb out of the roof, really, but I mean, I think in the sense that you can't get away from the noise. Yeah. And I, I think England will have looked at it, one of the things they'll probably be... Thinking about is in all seriousness, the volume of noise is greater when the roof is closed, and that can affect things like your calls and the line outs yeah. and moves. You know, so
0: well, I remember Stuart Lancaster, you went well, back in the day, he had um, all the noise blaring exactly. out in the training, didn't he, before yeah. the Wales England game two years ago? So, yeah, perhaps it is a fact that I
1: actually prefer it when it's open. Do you? I do. I like, I'm old, but I'm old, yeah. I'm old fashioned, <laughs> I'm, I'm a dinosaur, and I think, I think, and as Tom was it. Max Boyce said, so God can watch us play, didn't exactly, he? yeah. It? I
0: think it was... Was it open for France last year? Didn't it? What, didn't it have a problem with it? It couldn't shut or something like that? Well, we're not talking about that anymore.
1: <laughs> but anyway, it was open
0: <laughs> and I thought it was quite nice, so... Um, moving on, Eddie Jones, a bit of a character, been stirring things up all week, as you have mentioned. What, what are your thoughts on Eddie Jones?
1: I've come across him quite a few times. I was out in uh, Japan in 2013 with Wales, and I had a, had a pint with him one night out there and he's certainly a character. And uh, it's interesting, you this whole thing about coming to Cardiff, and you know, he's very much had an agenda all week, is not he? Sort of playing down the whole atmosphere, is just a ground. But it's been a fairly significant ground for him to his career, because if my memory serves me right, he lost his job as Australia coach hmm. after they uh, were beaten by Wales in 2005. So he knows that uh, this can be a tricky place to come and a place with consequences if you if you lose so he's really taken centre stage in a kind of gatlin fashion isn't he like, gatlins away and and rob howley's not really the type of character to get embroiled in a kind of no. grenade throwing you know expedition and i you know just reading what andy's been sending back from penny hill park today yeah, he, he does sound like he's stuff. been in in fine form and mm. the readers will get to see it all uh yeah but I think Sean Edwards said didn't he in the week you know he's good for the game he's good he for is. you guys turning to us in the media yeah. and then referred to him as being similar to Brian Clough who was a, mm. he was certainly a character in the game Yeah, I like Eddie Jones I think you know what he's done to England it's clear and he will have lots of plans up his sleeve for this week and it's a challenge for Rob Howley and his coaching team to answer all those little uh, ploys and it that he'll have waiting for us
0: it is um, let's talk about the game in general and we I know Wales against England gets built up you know naturally it does but it's not it's not just any other game is it it's not just any other rivalry for, for people in Wales uh, and, and people in England you know this is a this is a big occasion on Saturday
1: yeah I mean I, I like to think we might have gone past the stage where it's as long as we beat the English nothing else matters I mean because we that was in an era that kind of sentiment came from an era where we, we didn't win many matches at all mm. so if we did beat England I mean 1993 I remember we, we won um, famously 10-9 in Cardiff in the old stadium Yian Evans caught Rory Underwood sleeping and you know that kept us going for weeks despite the fact we then got dumped by Scotland a couple of weeks I think a week later you know And it really was an era where as long as we beat England it's okay I like to think we've moved on from that now because of our ambitions I mean I've, I've grown greater you know and mm. um, you know I think personally that if we were to beat England if Wales would have beat England on Saturday and then stumble away for the rest of the tournament that would be more significant than the victory you know yeah, yeah. Um, so beating England is important but for me it's, no, it's not the be all and end all of what we want you know the, the ambitions have to be higher than that although saying that you could argue that at the moment there's not many higher victories or better victories Cause this lot have won 15 in a row yeah and along with new zealand and maybe australia are the best team in the world yeah. ireland done well as well but england when you're up against a team that's done that well in pure rugby terms forget the rivalry in tradition this is a big game and it would be a big big win
0: and, and it could be a win that really launches wales into this championship
1: and, and if they lose, you've got the other side of the coin because yeah, then they've got to go to Scotland. And we saw how well they played at Murrayfield. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a huge game. Um, and, it you know, we've seen before how Wales can be a momentum team mm. and how a big win over a top opposition can really, really spark their campaign. And if they did win it, then everything would be on, wouldn't it?
0: It would indeed. Um, all right, we're going to do something a little bit different before we close the show today. Um We've got the teams here in front of us. site. We're going to go through it player by player and see whether we pick the Welsh player or the English player. Right. So we'll start a full-back game, which is a, not an easy place to start when you start a debate like this. Lee Halfpenny and Mike Brown. Mm. who do you fancy?
1: Well, the thing is, I think last weekend showed you that you do not want to go into a game without Lee Halfpenny. Mm. We were struggling in half-time, was it 7-3? I think we were it was, down. was, yeah, we were down, yeah. And we needed something early in the second half and... He got it one, two, three times for Mr. Halfpenny. Mm. Italy gave away three relatively soft penalties and he, he never looked like missing one of them. And it got Wills going again. It got them in front. It eased the nerves a little bit. And he was so important. He was named man of the match actually. I think Almost. I think that I don't think that was right. No. I think I would have gone for either Warburton or Owen Jones. Yeah. But he I can't remember a mistake he made. Solid, reliable, did what he had to do, kicked his goals and although Mike Brown is a player I admire a player who consistently beats the first man I just think the all-round game of Halfpenny is of a match to his as a player and their goal kicking just gives him that edge over it
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you although talking about Mike Brown he's he's a lot of what I like in a rugby player I like the way he gets up for things wears his heart on his sleeve never takes a backward step he's a physical bloke as well um, although I, I agree with what you're saying, um, so I'm going to stick with Lee half Benny as well. Um, moving on to the wings, George North, Jack Noel. That's not an easy one. The well, moment, it's complicated
1: it? by North's injury situation as well, isn't okay. it? If it? Are we saying fully fit in Noel against, against maybe an 80% fit in George? I think you have to take that out of the equation as yeah. you talking to them as players. Okay. Um, I like Jack Noel. <laughs> but I think I think North. You saw even when not fully fit, what he can do, the damage he can do. Yeah. And I think if they're both at their best, you'd have to go for George North.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll take you, I'll take you on that as well. I'll go for George North. He's done a little bit more with it uh, in his already you know his career so far. Uh, outside centre again, another tough one. Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Joseph.
1: Yeah, I mean, having said, like, you have to judge on the best thing. You also have to t- judge current form. Mm. Now, Jonathan Davis, prior to Saturday, has had a tough season. He had a few niggly injuries, you know, since returning to the Scarlets. It really hasn't happened to him. I actually thought he had his best game of the season of the weekend. Yeah, I agree. He, he did really well. Um, but then Jonathan Joseph, I think he's always someone who plays well against Wales. He's got quick feet. Mm dynamic player oh that's a really hard. hard oh dear, dear 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 I think I think I would just currently edge the Jonathan Joseph but I'm not sure I'm okay. <laughs> not sure I'm going to
0: go for the Fox um, <laughs> so I'm more optimistic than you at Outside Centre we've established that no I, I think what you're saying is right about John Davis. he's had this hamstring problem uh, as I understand he's over that now completely so and it was good to see him he was one of the big big plus points for me uh, in Rome good to see him playing well again inside centre then Scott Williams and Owen Farrell
1: well I have Owen Farrell in the team in my combined team right. but the question mark is where do you play him yeah so I mean, it depends how much leeway you're giving me but well he's
0: I, playing at 12 so it's a
1: oh, straight head to head I don't like these rules <laughs> him and Scott, um, yeah, 12, well sure. that, on that basis, they have to put Owen Farrell in because I'd say he has to be in the team but I think personally I'd probably edge towards mm-hmm. having him at 10 and Williams at 12 but if you're not allowing me to do that I'll have to to go Farrell I can't (laughs)
0: Eddie Jones hasn't put him at 10 so neither can you Um, yeah no it pains me to leave out Scott Williams um, but I'm going to go throw in Farrell as well myself I think Scott don't get me wrong before anybody has a go I think Scott Williams had a fantastic season so far can't do a lot wrong played well for Wales on the weekend was involved in two of the tries but uh, you could say exactly the same about Farrell and, and a bit more probably he brings his goal kick in as well um, so far, edge is it for the both of us here. Um, on the other wing, Liam Williams, Elliot Daly. This shouldn't be a long debate, should it?
1: Well, no, they're both players who actually prefer playing. Well, no, play more Than rugby in other positions. Yeah. You know, Full back with Liam and Elliot Daly in the centre, but Liam's played a lot of test rugby on the wing, mm. and he's a very accomplished player in that position. Such a, a, a dynamic counter attacker and although Elliot I like and he's a polished player in this head-to-head I would go for Liam
0: yeah I'm going to agree with you on that I don't think it's going to need any more conversation on that fly half Dan Bigger Fo- uh, Jolly George Ford we can't have him Farrell at 10 George Ford Dan Bigger
1: if they've both got the same platforms, as George Ford <sighs>
0: <sighs> uh, <laughs>
1: which, is a, which is an if which is a big if because I think if. George Ford needs quick ball Whereas Dan Bigger is a kind of player who can be very, very, very useful to decide whether they're going forward or going backwards. Yeah. As I said, he I made mean, two try saving tackles a weekend. But if they both go to the same platform, I just think with Ford, his key thing is the way he's able to pull the attacking strings so effectively. You saw it two years ago against Wales, causing yeah. no end of problems on the front foot. Um, yeah, I think he would edge it as an attacking player. Mm. I mean, that's a tough call. My only
0: na- my nagging doubt about Ford is the way he, he looked a little bit flaky against Wales in in the summer before the tours. I remember him missing a uh, shed load of kicks, and uh, after the match, all the all the questions directed at Eddie Jones were about whether he, he had the bottle for it. And oh, I don't know. I take your points because a fighter on attack. He's a fighter. He oh, I'm going with bigger. Good lad. <laughs> I'm going with bigger. Um, Webb. Reese Webb and Ben Young's. That's another interesting one.
1: I mean I, I would personally go for Reese Webb. Um really the he shouldn't be anywhere near the Wales team, should he after just like two games but any other player couldn't couldn't manage it, I don't think. But he's not any other player. i I've, no. I've not seen him I don't think I've seen many players in all my time covering the game who've been able to hit the ground running as effectively after serious injuries. He's done it again. Yeah. And, you know, if you look back to the weekend, uh, when we needed a spark, when the game was still in the balance, it was that break he made which led to the attacking position, which led to the the, the yellow card. And he just has an ability to do that. And I think he scored a try as well, by the way. Mm. I think I, I don't think the, the TMO called that right. Yeah, that was a str- I thought the ball ended up on the line mm. as his second movement. And he, that, again, showed to me the, the threat. Um, he poses around the fringes. And Ben Young's wasn't quite as... A, you know, he's a decent autumn, but as we said earlier, probably not as effective um, as he can be. And I just think if both of them are at their best, I, I would have Rhys Webb there.
0: OK, I'll agree with you on that. Um, Loosehead, Rob Evans and Joe Marler. What are we saying?
1: Rob Evans, for me, I think Rob's a more complete player. Um and I think at the moment Joe Mahler has already just come back from his fractured leg as well and, you know he's turned himself into a very fine international player Joe Marla, and he's got more experience than Rob Evans but I think, I think Rob's a, Rob, Rob could end up going on the Lions tour mm. he really yeah, could I, I think you know he's been excellent with his scrimmaging really worked on that the last year You know, adding to what we already knew he had was just a really powerful ball carrying. I think he's a top player so I go Rob Evans
0: Yeah, they're almost a- they're, so, they're both similar in the way that they get up for games And it's almost a shame for me that they're not on opposite sides of the scrum So, they, so then they'd be going head-to-head in the mm. scrums Because I think that would be a really interesting battle between the two of those um, But I take your point on Rob Evans I think his form in Europe, especially since he's returned I I'd always go back to when he saw off that Toulon prop after 20 minutes at Parky Scarlet's. Mm. I think that, that was sort of cemented his place um, in the Wales team and in my opinion he's, he's probably just ahead of Nicky Smith at the moment anyway um, so I'd go with Rob Evans as well
1: um, he's a real physical specimen he really is he is I, I,
0: love, I love his attitude as well I, love I think he'll thrive in this kind of match as well well I hope he will anyway uh, being a Welshman uh, hookers the Sheriff Ken Owens and Dylan Hartley
1: I mean probably you, you would say Hartley I mean it, you know you go back to that thing with the Lions which of them is more likely to go in there is probably Hartley isn't he mm. although I mean I don't think he was at his most effective last week but then no. again he hasn't played recently um, because he's had his latest indiscretion yeah. um, but he's kind of used to coming back from those isn't he <laughs> um, he's a combative character Ken carried well at the weekend actually in the That's okay but I think just generally mm. in terms of the what they can do I think I would edge towards Hartley there yeah
0: um Tough one for me. I do like Ken Owens, um, but I think you've swayed me in what you've said there, so I'll go with Dylan as well.
1: Uh, tight guards: Thomas Francis and Dan Cole. Well, Dan Cole is the entire England breakdown operation, isn't he? he it's yes. bizarre, isn't it? Like, <laughs> if, if you think of, look at these two countries, they've probably produced the two best breakdown props of the modern era in Dan Cole and Gethin Jenkins. Yeah. And um, Gethin's an absolute legend, at it but Cole's not far behind, you know. Mm. Um, as a scrummager solid they did have a few problems in the tights i thought against france An enormous enormous front row they had um thomas francis came through with a lot of power but in terms of international pedigree i think he, i'd have to go towards dan cole there
0: yeah i go towards dan cole as well a little bit more around the park as well i think um so i'll go for him as well
1: second rows uh, jake ball joe launchbury that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think I'd go for Launch period and in terms of, again, we're talking about a pedigree, but he's another one who last week looked a little bit off the pace. Um, he'd been out for a little while. I think it was a calf injury coming back short of game time. He was replaced around the hour mark. Um, wasn't at like his best? But I think I've, I've seen a lot of him play for Wasps. I think he's a, he's a huge worker, um, really sort of honest rugby player. Uh, I like Jake Ball a lot I think he's really come on a bundle when you consider like he came over from Australia maybe four years ago and that was complete unknown and he's turned himself into an international quality player you know he offers a huge amount for Wales with his ball carrying and he's made a stern stuff you only have to look at that war wound he ended yeah, up with from Rome one. 11 stitches in there but he's good to go mm. and he, he'll he'll battle away I think but I think again coming back to the, the international pedigree issue I would probably edge towards uh, Launchbury
0: yeah I'd agree I'll go Launchbury as well um, although like you said I think uh, Jake Ball offers a lot to Wales in his ball carrying but Launchbury's just got a little bit more for me when he's on his money Uh Alan jones Courtney Laws?
1: There's no real contest for me. No. And, my, you know, <laughs> and I, I think, you know, Laws actually had a decent game against uh, France last of the course, put some big d- defensive work in. He's clearly well-known for his big hits. But, I mean, Alan jones is, 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 is I think, probably the greatest second-row wheels we've ever had. Yeah. And um, I was in the camp today talking to various people and they've been hugely impressed by the way he's taken over the captaincy. And, you know, in terms of the inspiration he's just such a presence isn't he and you know he, he, we're lucky with Sam having finished the job to have someone like Alan when to step in because he, he's done it so well for, for the Ospreys over the years and he's kind of set standards both on and off the field and uh, I think it, he was immense again against Italy last week when we really needed to be digging deep after half time and uh, he's just a world class player and has to be there
0: has to be no contest in my opinion as well Um, let's talk about the back row in general terms then to finish it off starting at blindside this is a tricky one Sam Wapner Maro Well,
1: not not in the back row it's not not for Mm. me Otoji looks half the player in the back row nowhere near as effective as he is in the second row it's a different role Um, you could say it's a different role for Sam playing at six but he's matured into that he's played quite a bit there over the last year and he seems to be developing his game and sort of slightly, t- you know, slightly t- tweaking with his game in the new six role, more of a carrying uh, duty for Wales. He was our main made more metres than any other forward, and of course, what he's doing as well. He's perhaps not diving into every, not attacking every uh, ruck and ball because he's got other duties, but he's picking the ones he can really do damage on him. And he, that in particular, that one just before half time in Rome. Wales are under the cosh seven three down in the run twenty two if Italy had scored and made it 14 three who knows what could have happened he when he was needed he was over the ball, got in there like a, a you know limpet no one was moving him we won the penalty half time won the game yeah um so for me again in this in this flanking combine, you know flanking sort of battle, it has to be Warburton
0: okay I'll go with you on that uh Tiperic and Jack Clifford
1: I think I think it would have to be Tipperick. It would have to be. Jack Clifford, this is only his second test start. Very, very much a kind of new figure. finding his feet in the international stage. Um, Tipperick, just such a class, quality player. And what I like is the way in which the flanking partnership with Warburton seems to be developing. it has been tried a few times, hasn't always worked. But it's working well now. Warburton is focusing heavily on the sort of physical side of it, allowing Tipperick to do what he does best, which is roam and support and link up and get the ball in his hands. And, uh, yeah, he's a quality, quality player, so it would have to be Tipperary.
0: OK, and then finally, number eight, Ross Moriarty and Nathan Hughes.
1: This is a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think Hughes has done really well for Wasps over the last two or three years, but, but you know, still to prove it at an international level, mm. Moriarty is still you know, finding his feet in international level. He had an excellent 2016. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen Hughes do it for England particularly yet, so I would have to go for Moriarty, who has done it in the last year for Wales and probably been the find of the last 12 months for on the international stage. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, probably you'd pick... Uh, it'd be interesting if you are doing that with Falato against Buna, Billy Boone of But we can't. <laughs> we haven't got enough time to do that.
0: We? Um, anyway, so we're finishing up there and apparently I'm a very optimistic <laughs> Welshman, so I've got, what have I got, 10 Welshmen and 4
1: English and... That's only 14 players.
0: Oh no, sorry, <laughs> 11. <laughs> oh, go. You're working on silly. a yellow card. No, I, I, so I've got 11 Welshmen and 4 English players. Uh, and so you've got 9 Welshmen and 6 English players. So it's an interesting one. Apparently we're both optimists. But uh, as we know, the game's not played on paper. Well,
1: well, I think both of those show, come in full circle, There's every reason to believe we can win.
0: No, oh, that seems like the perfect note <laughs> to end this podcast on. All right, we we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us, si, and Thanks to you guys for listening at home. Um, so here we are, we're full throttle now. Wales against England on Saturday, ten to five kickoff. Um, you can follow all the build up, the live updates, and the reaction from that game on Wales Online.